All right, Mike, we are back uh, to try to talk about The Godfather 2 one more time. Uh, this is... This is take two uh, of this episode uh, because uh, I can't be trusted to update my computer. Um, we had ten really good minutes that my computer didn't even record. Uh, so I mean, five if you're just talking about my half. No, then... we are not because without me, who who would set you up for this genius, Mike? This is my role. Yeah, here, but if we release it, the listeners couldn't even understand what you were saying, so I don't <laughs> know if they would find it. Five good minutes. Yeah, that's... well, that's true. That's true. It would have been a little distracting. They'd have to really hate me because that means they prefer the five minutes of silence to my five minutes of responding <laughs> to the silence. Yes, absolutely. All of my emotions feel the same, feel the same. You don't like where this is going. Look away, look away. You're not in my way. You're in my path. Look at that. All of my emotions feel the same. What a laugh. Cover your things we had started to talk about is there is kind of a dividing line i think through cinephiles between the godfather part one and the godfather part two everyone thinks they're great like i don't know anyone who thinks either of these movies is less than four four and a half stars out of five most people just give it the five stars it's a great american film but there seems to be a lot of a lot of folks who are like yeah godfather is really really good but godfather two that's that's the work of genius that's the one and both of us are on the other side of that line. I think we both love both movies, but we prefer the first one. So why do you think, one, why is that for you? And why do you think there's a lot of folks that, that angle towards this one? I, I would say De Niro um, is probably a big part of it. I don't know if that's just him, especially in this uh, time period. Um, you know, maybe now, unfortunately for both him and uh, Pacino, maybe people are just kind of tired of their, uh, maybe more comedic offerings, more broad, <laughs> I guess, that they've kind of gone, uh, Pacino, maybe not as knowingly comedic. De Niro <laughs> definitely, you know, meet the parents was like, mm-hmm. oh, people like me in this. There's money to be made here. Uh, and it's probably, I, I don't want to dismiss. He would probably, you know, if De Niro met me, he would strangle me by saying like, you know, it's no easier to work with Ben Stiller than it is. Uh, to work with Al Pacino. I, I bet it's harder. <laughs> just to pull him up. Yes. In there, uh, on the same level. But, um, I, or maybe it's missing uh, Brando. Maybe, you know, maybe it's, I, I don't think that the flashbacks ever worked for me as much as maybe it did for initial audiences, because uh-huh. I think then it feels, it felt more uh, illuminating. It felt more, uh, like a novel uh, that we're going to get go over like the entire sort of structure of the Corleone family. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure in like, you know, today's time period with uh, television and the sort of marvelization of big budget blockbusters, mm-hmm. it feels like we're always doubling back to go over every little nook and cranny of, of someone's life. Um, but um, I'm not saying it's bad by any means, but uh, I probably just prefer um, the arc of mm-hmm. Michael Moore in the first one is opposed to, I think in that episode, you know, this is the full on descent. Uh, yes. of him. so yeah, maybe I like him on the come up more. And I guess I could say the same for Pacino as well. I like, mm-hmm. it, it's just a juicier role to play in the first one, uh, as opposed to out and out, uh, stoic villain, I guess. in the second one. No, I agree. I think, I think there's kind of two things that, and when I say like two things, I don't like about it. 
don't like is way too strong. Just like, ah, well, hmm, that, you know, it's just a little bit below, especially knowing De Niro as a performer now um, throughout his career. Like he's very clearly doing a Brando impression in this. And it's it's noticeable as I watch it, like the, you know, the vocal qualities, which is good, right? Because it's like it connects you with that character because these two men, especially at this point in their lives, don't look anything like one another. So you've got to have these ties. But the other thing is, I think you have two very distinct movies here. You have the story of Michael being the godfather, and then you have Vito's Rise. And both of them are very good movies, but like they never really mesh for me. They ne- like every time the movie stops what it's doing and goes to the other plot line, even though I know what's coming is going to be great, I'm always just kind of a little annoyed and jolted by it. It just never feels like from an editing perspective, it never feels like it flows like it should because these stories are so, so different. Like, honestly, I feel like if you had the flashbacks to Vito in the first one with the stuff with Michael kind of going through his ups and downs, I think it actually works a little bit better. But because everything Michael is doing, it's kind of like there's not actually a massive arc for him in this movie. There's an arc from the start of the first movie to here, but just in this self-contained four-hour movie, (laughs) there's actually not that much movement for him. There's movement all around him. There's things happening. But like in terms of him, he stays pretty much the same guy from the beginning to the end. And I think the really interesting things in this movie are comparisons to the first one. Like if you look at how the first movie started at the wedding with people coming to him for favors and there's this long line of people and everybody's got to wait – but there's like a warmth that that comes from Brando in that. Like there's a friendship as opposed to like, I'm the godfather. I do what I want. You come here and maybe I'll do you a favor. Whereas like there's never a moment in that first movie where you feel like Vito isn't going to help people out. He just wants them to like, okay, but you're going to owe me for this and I'm going to come to you for a favor. We'll deal with it later. Whereas, I mean, Michael is like two steps away from being like, ah, oh, fuck, how many people are going to... I am so... My sister? Oh, God. Like, he's just... So there's, like... It's really interesting to see how this family has changed in the course of these two movies, when now the person in charge is more cutthroat and doesn't seem to care about anyone. Like, maybe Fredo, when 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 he figures out it's him who betrayed him. But, like, he shows no kindness, no warmth, no spirit towards anyone else. So I find it really interesting comparison-based, but as a movie itself, like, I mean, hot take, but there's, like, Michael doesn't change. Very ego-driven uh, character. I don't, um, I think with the, the flashbacks, what's revealed about uh, Vito is that he um, he doesn't want to be muscled out of opportunity. Um, he has already been forced, uh, you know, from childhood to leave his family home because his entire family is wiped out uh, mm-hmm. by... Uh, a mob boss and you know a bully basically someone that um decides to take out those that are of no threat to him um and boy does he show him that i don't know if the lesson Oof. is uh that the dude was right because he does come back yeah as an adult they, instead, that was so his worry right was correct like, yeah <laughs> and that is like i don't know like maybe one of the most brutal scenes in any of the godfather movies like it is uncomfortable watch like that eh, i'm gonna disagree that's sunny you, you sunny in the first one i guess maybe that eh, i'm just saying that dude was old i mean it's not you know it's not a tragedy he, he's sitting there drinking i just wine. mean the he's physicality of it not the like oh he should i mean he's a bad man it's fine <laughs> that he murdered died. and maimed women like, and children uh, and it's like i mean he's he 
probably just gonna have like a heart attack yes. like two days I mean, later. That's what the way I'll, I I'll take the heart attack over the being gutted, please. I will I happily take that. Pretty badass. I mean, it sucks, but it is <laughs> it sucks in the moment. Way to go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it's over with quickly. Um, but I would say that's probably the key difference is that even in the first film, Michael, there's a certain uh, amount of the way he personifies himself. Uh, by being a reflection of his family and that I am not them. Uh, and I have stayed away from that. And my father thought I was so great that he didn't want me to be part of the family business because I'm better than Sonny. I'm better than Fredo. Mm-hmm. And so then there's almost like he, he reacts in a manner of protection. that He, he throws in with them uh, because he cares about his father. Um, but after that point, it's like, well, since I had to step in to clean up the mess – and since my father always knew that I was the chosen one, uh, it's, you know, dare I say, it's a little Star Wars-esque as far as we're getting a little mm-hmm. like Anakin Skywalker here. He feels totally justified and right in every decision that he makes because he does, he's been told and he probably is, you know, earned some of that, but he truly thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And uh, the sins of the Godfather 2, if there are any, is that it bears just as much responsibility as stuff like Scarface or Breaking Bad, where it's like, uh, the villainous uh, overseer of some sort of criminal empire uh, can really do no wrong. Like right. all the decisions they make are correct, even though in fairness to something like Breaking Bad, where it's a uh, television production, we do see a lot of mistakes. There has to be constant conflict, but I don't think that's the way Walter White is remembered. Uh, I don't nope. think that uh, Al Pacino's version of Scarface is <laughs> remembered for his failings. Uh, it's just that, man, if everyone just listened to the biggest badass in the room, wouldn't they all be better off? Uh, which is, you know, it's a little troubling that cinema or art has provided so many opportunities for people to really find uh, vindication in being a bully, which is what Michael is in part two. Even if he is uh, going to battle with people who are attempting to be the biggest bully like he is. Uh, what I do like about the film is they don't show any distinction between how he treats uh, his family and his personal life and how he treats business associates that he wants to have killed. Right. It's really interesting. Like the, the, you know, the term Fredo has become like shorthand for weak, for sniveling, for someone who betrays the people that matters most. And as I watch this movie, I'm kind of like, I get it. Like he, it, if anything, this is a lesson in. I knew you were afraid this of is... Dave. He's a guy. He wants to hang out at these weird, like sex dens well, and that... casinos. He wants well, to drink too. Yes, but also like. <laughs> but why is that not the Fredo definition? Yeah, the so guy that, that knows how to. Party. That would be much better. Um, <laughs> but I think, if anything, this is a lesson in the fact that Michael is not. He is not, even though he's so focused on business and making the right decision and being cutthroat, he has no idea what's going on around him. Like, until until it's too late. Like, yeah, he figured out it was Fredo, but not before he betrayed him. And then, like... He still had to go to the, the sex dance. That's right. To do it. That's right. Hey, he looks totally... He looks like Bill Belichick. He just looks totally miserable <laughs> yes. and put upon, like, I could be working on the, the game plan for this week. Instead, I'm watching this cockfighting or something going on here. What am I doing with my life? And then it's, suddenly he gets an opportunity to plot someone else's death. But now he's, he's interested. In again. Yeah. And here is one one way that Godfather 2 is better than the first one. It gives Diane Keaton a lot more to do. Whew, man, that scene at the end, that is... Like, I always... I've seen this movie a fair amount of times. Um, this These two movies are two of my dad's favorites, so I was kind of weirdly raised with these movies. I watched these a lot when I was probably too young 
to see them uh, and really understand what was going on. But that scene always just leaves a mark. Like, it is brutal. Now, in time, you'll feel differently. You'll be glad I stopped you now. I know that. I know you blame me for losing the baby. I know what that meant to you. I'll make it up to you, Kay. I swear I'll make it up to you. I'll... I'm gonna change. I'll change. I've learned that I have the strength to change. And you'll forget about this miscarriage. And we'll have another child. And we'll go on. You and I will go on. Oh. Oh, Michael. Michael, you are blind. It wasn't a miscarriage. It was an abortion. An abortion, Michael. Just like our marriage is an abortion. Something that's unholy and evil. I didn't want your son, Michael. I wouldn't bring another one of your sons into this world. It was an abortion, Michael. It was a son, a son, and I had it killed because this must all end. And her performance there is pretty tremendous. And I kind of love that in a lot of ways, Pacino just kind of sits there. Like eventually he explodes, but through most of that sequence... He's just taking it in because he cannot imagine that anyone would ever get one over on him because he's so smart in business, Mm. so smart in anything else. And she's like, basically like, you dummy, it wasn't an accident. I did this. And it's, it is brutal to watch. And you just watch his face just kind of fall and like crumble. Do you think that he takes initially, I don't think after the revelation that she chooses to uh, have an abortion, um, I don't think he takes any responsibility. It's all on her at that point. Uh, but when he thinks it's a miscarriage, do you think at that point, is he kicking around the idea that it's um, his business dealings, it's the attack on their their family home? Mm-hmm. Is he taking any responsibility for that miscarriage? No, no, I don't think he is. Like, I, I don't. So you're not even giving him that. No, you... no, not at all. I think I am, Dave. Mm. But not in a kind way. I just think that he likes to... Uh, see himself it's the ego thing again yeah yeah sure mm-hmm. sure yeah and it it's such an interesting performance from pacino because he's a lot more i think he's a lot more emotional in the first one um he kind of runs through the gamut of emotions like figuring out if this is what he wants to do and you know that they attacked his father and these are the steps i have to take and i don't know if he would approve so i got to deal with all that and in this one it's it's dramatic because he holds back his reactions until they completely explode. So there's really only two, there's only two orientations he has in this movie. It's like totally calm, taking everything in, plotting, plotting, plotting. 
But then it's like, ah, oh, they attacked me in my home, and he just like goes. And, it, and, and if you look back at Machito's career, it's really interesting to watch this, and then watch where he went later with things like, you know, Scent of a Woman, Devil's Advocate, that kind of thing. When he really, and even Heat, which I love. You know, there are moments where he just kind of explodes into screaming fits, and I think maybe this is the first. This is the first appearance of that. Um, but I think, unlike in some of those other performances, I think there is more of a point to it here. It is it is a crafted performance instead of trying to shock you. It's showing you that finally, like, oh, he is human. He does have a response to this because everything else is so contained. Yeah, I, I, you know, those scenes they worry me as far as new, uh, newer viewers that are, are used to the bombastic sin of woman style mm-hmm. of uh, Pacino on screen. Um, given that, uh, I think we talked about in our earlier episode for The Godfather, but certainly if you seeing the interviews about that troubled production that most of the studio executives felt like he doesn't, he's not doing anything. Like he's barely there on screen, mm-hmm. which is, you know, absurd. If you think about uh, Pacino now, it does make, it does draw some comparisons uh, to, I think Nicholson who maybe has always had that oh, yeah. persona, which is funny though, because I've, I find that Nicholson uh, can move back and forth uh, from being big, loud and brash and to being, totally still and just allowing mm-hmm. his his eyes to do all of the the speaking for himself because uh i mean even something like in chinatown um that's there maybe not as much in the shining because i think Kubrick really <laughs> go for it man <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> like i you know i bought the uh the big lots uh nicholson i want the i want that jack i want the <laughs> the costco delivery that's of this. Right. give me all of it yes. um but uh, Pacino, uh, you know, I mean, I think that uh, people en- enjoyed this iconic role for him so much that there are shades of it that they, mm-hmm. they want. They want the, as you said, they attacked me in my home. They want the bulletin board material mm-hmm. that <laughs> coaches use to <laughs> get their players ready to kill the other mm-hmm. opponent. And, yeah, in this scene, most of the time, um, I think it would be a failing of the film. I don't think it is here that... Uh, there's no equal really for him. Even even the the people that he's plotting against and the people that are plotting against him, uh, everything is so um, you know business friendly mm-hmm. that I think that the, if you had like uh, a big bad, um, I'll just I'll go back to Breaking Bad as the example. They kept kind of escalating uh, the the villains a bit more. The the, mm-hmm. the nemesis that Walter White would face for that that season. Um, and here, um, no, it's just very cordial. It's, you know, the, the keep your friends close, your enemies closer, mm-hmm. all of that, um, which makes the home life all the worse because yeah. <laughs> he feels free to yell at those absolutely closest to him. Uh, and poor Robert Duvall getting, I know, we, I, getting his, we talked about how great he is of, in the first a true one. brother challenged again. God. You know, it's just like, yeah, you're not a wartime. And it's like Sonny said that to him and now he got Michael saying it to mm-hmm. him and, um, yeah, I'm just like, you know what? Uh, I don't need this shit. I could just go work at a casino as long as I don't, you know, throw in with guys that are plotting to kill you. Uh, maybe you'll leave me alone. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I don't know if Michael would, honestly. I don't know if he would even allow anyone to ever break up with no. him if he wasn't the one doing the breaking no, up. No, it's got to be his choice. Um, and so I started this kind of talking about how in some ways the – the splits of the two stories don't really work for me. Like they work on their own, but together it feels a little stunted. Mm. One way it really does work is again, showing the difference uh, between Michael and Vito is that Michael, even at the end, even when he knows his brother is the one who does it, he doesn't, he doesn't pull the trigger. 
he never gets his hands dirty because he's so he's so focused on as you called it being business friendly like he can't possibly mm-hmm. and then you see like all the stuff that Vito pulled as a young man like kind of building up his name and like he is the one he is always the one pulling the trigger he is the one with the knife he never he's actually telling fact, his allies his friends i, I mean I, I actually think Vito looks at them as friends yeah. even though they're th- going in business don't there. ask me uh, i'll take care of it like, yeah, and don't you know if if this dude approaches you, just be nice. Say talk to me. He's he's trying to uh, absolve them of any of the the misdeeds he's about to perform, uh, and and even when he is approaching people and uh, I guess you could say trading favors, um, never gets loud. He lets them come to the conclusion, uh, like when he's trying to save this woman uh, from being kicked out of her apartment because she got a dog for a child. Uh, he lets the other guy, once he finds out who V2 is, he lets him negotiate the terms yeah. by not speaking. He just, just stares at him. There. And, mm-hmm. and then when he finally hits the number he wants, okay. big smile, like, you know, great. Uh, and the dog's also staying, right? Yeah, the dog's staying. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it certainly makes um, his father more likelihood. But it's, you know, I guess you're getting into the... Uh, economic place they come from mm-hmm. coming from an established and wealthy family in michael uh where his choice to leave the family yet again it's his choice so like i don't need this but there's always a safety net and a way to come back into the family fold where his father had to make it with no family connections he's like an orphan child coming to a new country uh with like a number you know mm-hmm. on his on his chest and so I, I think that it's not heavy handed in that regard. Um, but to answer your initial question, uh, maybe it's just the sheer likability of Vito's rise that mm. allows people to enjoy, enjoy Michael's shenanigans a little bit mm. more that mm-hmm. it's like, well, this was all for something. It was for that, that little boy to have like a place in the world. Michael though could have gone any number of different ways. He could have had a life with Diane Keaton outside of this, and probably would have been just fine. Mm-hmm. This is not out of necessity that he's committing these sins. Right. It's in some regards, it seems like it's very pleasurable to him. I mean, right. he doesn't seem like a happy dude, but that seems to be the only thing he's focused on is how to control uh, and dismantle his enemies. Yeah. As I, especially watching these movies relatively back to back, because we did the first one on the show, not that long ago, it does like seeing Michael's rise. Like I remember watching this as a younger man and thinking like, Oh Yeah. Michael's really cool. He's really he's really got this. He's making all the right choices. Yeah, very smooth. I like it. And I watch this and I can't help but feel sad about his rise, especially when you look at spoken like a true Fredo. Yeah, that's right. Especially if you look at like what his father <laughs> what his father wanted for him. What is the actor's name? Sorry. John Cazale. Um, John Cazale. Has one of these saddest faces ever on screen. Just like Yeah. You know, he's just just waiting yeah. for the, and I know that it fits with the character, yeah. but a guy that seemingly, no matter what movie he's in, he looks at the world and is just yeah. waiting for the. And also, no matter what movie he was in, the movie got nominated for best picture. He's like every movie that dude was in before his very sad and so untimely death. So he's the opposite death. of the uh, the cooler. In Vegas. Yes, he's the guy yeah, that like you want a project to yeah. get hot. Fredo is the heater. Yes, that is that is right. Um, and passed away far too. Yeah, he had, 42, he had cancer. I, I think he was um, engaged to be married to Meryl Streep. Like it's very very horribly sad. Wow. Um, but I watch this movie and just think like, wow, Vito would be really sad to see this. Um, because not only did he not want Michael involved in this business at all, 
But he's become worse than any other member of the family in terms of the way, you know, there's, there's even a scene early in the movie where he's talking to his mother and his mother is just like, well, you always have family. Like that never changes. And that is, that is why this movie to me is like so dark and kind of hard to watch. Um, It's a great movie. One of the greatest American movies ever made. But like, as I go through it with these characters that you've grown to love through the three or four hours of the first movie, it's like, no one in here is better off than they were at the start of movie one. Like not a, not a single person. It sounds like you as well, Dave. Like you, so when you go back to rewatch these, do you just, do you find yourself just watching Godfather I one do. and not going through the I trilogy? Do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, some of that also is just the sheer length of these movies. I'm like, okay, huh, I got my Godfather fix. I got four hours of the Godfather. I'm good. And I also, and you, I got to watch uh, every Bond movie. I don't have time for this. That's right. Um, <laughs> and you, you know, you kind of mentioned it earlier. I do feel like as I watch this movie separately, I miss Brando. Like I miss mm. that presence there. What do you make of that final scene where he is just a presence, but never, never seen. They're just waiting for his arrival. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the perfect way to, to set this up. And especially because like, I mean, folks who are my age or maybe a little bit older probably remember this, but they used to, they had a version of this, which was just called, I think Webb actually mentioned it on trilogy and theory at one point, it was just called the Godfather saga. And they, they basically put everything in order um, in terms of like we start with young Vito and move all the way forward. And it it kind of works better because um, you don't have that stunted editing here. Um, Is that more or less of a downer? Because, it, it you know, you get, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to call them the happy days because we're talking about a, a boy whose family is killed in mm-hmm. front of his eyes and he has to escape to a strange land. But. You know, if we're looking at the more positive uh, initial um, trek that he was on as far as his criminal dealings, which is to protect the participants of this neighborhood and to make sure people are not bullied mm-hmm. by being the you know the bigger bully on the block, the protector, um, you find it uh, is it is it better that way that it's all at the beginning because it it's a, that's a lot of Michael, that's a lot of Michael darkness. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any of that cutting it up. It is, but I think it also makes his rise um, not better, uh, but like you understand it more because it's not mm. cut in between all these other scenes where you're like, oh, this is – like I like the Vito stuff better than I do the Michael stuff in this movie. Like I just want to hang out here. Bruno Kirby is great here. Everyone's having a good time. He's like – you know, his, his rise and he's going against people that you – it's very easy to actively root against the people that Vito is going against. I think the people that Michael's going against are kind of assholes, but you don't really know that much about them. You're just like, ah, okay, yeah, Michael's no better. Seem the same to him, right? It's just who's who's going to get who's in the, front of uh, me? The pot of money, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So in some ways, in some ways, it is it's it's better in terms of our own feelings about these characters, but also better for Michael. Cause it's like becomes like once you get to quote unquote Godfather part one, it kind of, be, it, it transfers from being the Vito story to the Michael story, right? Cause you lead in with all the young Vito and then you get the, the wedding and all that other stuff. And then you introduce Michael and then it moves forward. Whereas this, it's chopped up in such a way that Michael actually, I think ends up coming off even worse than he would because you have this comparison of like what, where he came from. And basically, even though Pito becomes like a crime lord, like that is who he becomes, there's always a sense of community. There's always a sense of family. There's always a sense of doing the right thing. Like 
not getting involved in drugs, not getting involved in gambling so much, doing this, doing that. And then Michael does the exact opposite. Um, so it's a little bit harder, I think, especially as we get older, we get past our teenage years and our 20s of seeing it's just like the you know, you mentioned these other movies. Same thing as like watching Bike Club as as an older person. You're like, yeah, that guy's not that cool. Um, I don't really want to hang around with that guy. And when you're 18, you know, you got Brad Pitt in that cool jacket. You're like, OK. And I think you have the same thing here. You got Michael in these like tailored suits. He's being cool and doing all the right things. But man, as I get older, I'm like, Michael, you need to you need to get yourself under control, sir. Like maybe talk to your wife once a week, uh, figure out what's going on uh, instead of just doing business all the time. So what Dave is saying is that in his older, more enlightened age, he just wants to hang out with Jared Leto from Fight Club. Uh, no, I'd like to hang out with Diane Keaton at any age. Just in general? Yes. Okay. Yeah, even now. Okay. No problem. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's interesting because we've – we spent most of this episode, you know, kind of picking it apart a little bit, but it's, it's still a great movie. Like, I still had a really it's a, like watching it. Uh, I was just like five out of five on Letterboxd yeah, for me. So, yeah. um, I think it's more of a, um, you know, you started off this episode, uh, for the second time, uh, you know, without <laughs> the technical difficulties. Uh, basically, I, I think it's more from your point of view attacking this as, it's the only sequel that's better than the original, right. which seems to be like uh, a common thread. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, I think it's even mentioned in the Scream franchise, yep. right? Uh, yep. This and Empire Strikes Back. I will say that uh, for me, it's far more clear that the Star Wars sequel, uh, the second uh, one, not the second episode, but the second one released. Mike's hot take. Godfather 2. It's no Empire Strikes Back. That's <laughs> It's not. I mean – Han Solo may be playing hard to get, but he's still a lot nicer to Carrie Fisher than Al Pacino is to Diane Keaton. Yes, um, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Uh, incest? I don't know. How can I sell this to people? <laughs> like, I, I don't think I can uh, with this, you know, where the direction I'm going. Uh, I have a final question for okay. you if we're talking about uh, family relations and mm-hmm. not of the Skywalker kind, thank God. Um, <laughs> how do you think the events of Michael's life or Godfather 2 or the whole Corleone family – uh, or changed if Sonny is not um, put into that mm. that trap that is set for him in the first one. If he is still there, is there a strong family or masculine presence that uh, Michael will listen to? Or eventually, is there some sort of tragedy that's going to befall Sonny at Michael's hands? No, I mean, I think it changes everything. I think it changes everything if Sonny survives Godfather 1 and is running the family. Because, like, you can see it, and granted, this is the beginning of Michael's arc, but in that first movie, like, he he does whatever Sonny basically says. Like, he's like, okay, this is how we're going to do it? Okay. And the, the only thing it really stands up to him about is, like, I'm going to take take out this, this guy who's taken out dad. Like, I got I to gotta do that. But everything else, he's like, okay, that's how you want me to do it? Let's go. And then they ship him off to Italy to keep him safe, and he does what he's told. Um so my only concern, if that were to happen, is that eventually Sonny is going to do something to get himself killed. Um, he's just – that's just the person he is. He's a hothead. <laughs> he's going to make a mistake and then and then what happens? Does Michael step in then? But I think as long as Sonny is alive, I think Michael is much happier. Like I think he comes back and restarts his life with Diane Keaton and has some kids and you know gets a regular job and does well for himself. <laughs> 
A better world, Mike. I thought you were going to go a different direction and say, as long as Sonny is alive, uh, he will soon find a way to get himself killed. Well, like, that's... Like, whatever opportunity he's given, whatever uh, hero comes in and saves him this time, uh, he is going to be uh, tied on the train tracks again. Mm-hmm. That is just Sonny's, Sonny's lot in life, to just <laughs> I mean... rage out his own existence, uh, which is probably why I liked you know that brother the yep. most. Um, yeah, both of us seem to like the... Corleone brothers that uh, get themselves uh, killed, yeah. whacked in some yep. way. Uh, you you did fail to mention a review for this conversation, mm. and so I'm going to guess right now what would tickle you the most. Which one do you want to put in the show notes? Okay, and I'm ready. This one comes from the, the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, from uh, December 18th, 1974. Review. Okay. Click on the link from it on Rotten Tomatoes. It takes you uh, very old-fashioned. just takes you to... Like a newspaper uh, clipping? Like a JPEG. <laughs> A JPEG yeah, of the newspaper love it. article. Okay. Uh, I can't really read it. I think I'd have to magnify it. Uh, but I do have the headline, and this is from, I'm having to look closer, Desmond Ryan of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, on December 18th, 1974, headline, Godfather Sire's Weak Son. Oh! A picture of Al Pacino. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> So, you know, don't uh, give us any hate for, yeah. you know, Jesus. picking at this five-star, you know, perfect film um, because someone in Philadelphia, they, you know, that sounds about right. In Philadelphia, they they kind of generally are seen as like hard to please. Right? So, so be a little also a little Irish last name there. Irish folks aren't treated well in oh. The Godfather. I wonder if there's something there. <laughs> I'm going to leave that to you, Italian, to uh, talk about. I am just a lowly Kentuckian. I am not going to speak on such matters. Uh, but yeah, that is the first. Uh, it's a good headline, though. It's a good. There's another. God, there's another splat. You know where it's from? Mm. The Philadelphia Daily News. <laughs> Philly, get Jeez. it together. <laughs> such haters of this. My goodness. 96% on Rotten Tomatoes and. The four percent, uh, I guess, is from the Philadelphia region. Only, yeah, exclusively Philadelphia, who Good like them. booze players that get injured and throws batteries and attacks Santa Claus. So you know, what also you? attacks the Godfather. That's right. Yes, same same thing, Mike. Same thing. So um, I don't know where this is going to fall in our schedule uh, because we kind of uh, missed the Sopranos week, which apparently no one watched. So we don't need that hashtag. <laughs> So, uh, Dave, I'll throw another surprise your way. How about we just make this our New Year's episode? Sure. Sounds good. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. on The Godfather 2. <laughs> you are welcome. Like, listen, rate, review, all that. All that stuff. <laughs>